I'm going to invite Brendan. Now he's going to bring us the word this morning. Why don't you give him a big hand? And a, and a third one to hold the extra things, if you could. Good morning. How you doing? Is anyone, uh, anyone excited to be in, in the house of God this morning? Is, is anybody really not excited? Like you didn't want to be here and someone dragged you along and... <laughs> You wouldn't say if you were, would you? That'd be too awkward, especially after everybody responded so positively at the beginning. Then you'd feel like the odd one out. Hey, if you've been dragged along this morning, you're still welcome, and, uh, and you're going to have a good time, so uh, just uh, enjoy yourself. <clears throat> we'll get right into it. We are in the middle of a series called God is Able. Does anybody remember from last year, I played a video, Jesse Duplantis, uh, preaching about the difference between uh, black preachers and white preachers. And uh, he said, God is able! That's how a black preacher would preach it. Does anyone remember that? I showed you that so that you'd never forget. God is able! Does anyone, can anyone say, God is able? God is able! Now you remember when you're in a sticky situation and you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with my finances or uh, I need a miracle here, you'll hear that voice in your head and it'll say, God is able, God is able. We're in the middle of a series called God is Able and uh, we want as a church to rise up in faith believing that God is able to meet our needs and God is able to come through for us in every circumstance. And so this morning uh, I've titled my message, Trust in Him. That is the crux of my message, to trust in Him. Because if God is able, then we need to learn to trust in Him. And primarily, we're really talking about money. In the, re- in the, in the, in the lead up to Rise and Build Sunday, which is next Sunday, many of us are going to face the choice of, do I want to contribute to Rise and Build? And hopefully the answer to that is yes, because our pastors have cast a vision for uh, uh, equal sacrifice, not just equal giving, not equal giving. It's about all of us contributing to the Rise and Build campaign together. And so then if you answer yes to that question, then it's, well, what do I want to pledge? What do I want to contribute? <clears throat> but often when this topic of money comes up, it, uh, it gets really uncomfortable. Can anyone testify to that? Some people feel really uncomfortable talking about money, especially in the, in the space of, of church. I had a friend he brought his mum along to church for the first time. He was really nervous about bringing her, and he brought her, and all she heard was the offering message. And, uh, and, and she didn't even hear the offering message, uh, because what she heard in the offering message was totally different to what I heard in the offering message. She heard, all they want is your money. They just want your money. Uh, my dad once was driving me around, uh, and uh, we pulled up at a traffic light, and there were some people coming out of a church on the right, and he pointed over and he said, you see that, Brendan, that's a, that's a, that, that church there? They would do something called tithing. And I'd just become a new Christian, uh, and I'd kind of kept it on the down low from my family who... Uh, <laughs> Who, who are not believers, and uh, I was being a bit quiet about it. He said, tithing, and he explained tithing to me as if I would think it's ridiculous. And I sort of felt like, oh, but actually I've started that, and I'm loving it. It's awesome. But often from the outside, it looks really confusing, doesn't it? I mean, 
then if you're not careful, you'll catch on today, tonight, or a current affair, the annual Hillsong Bash. And they love the, they love the money angle, don't they? Like, look how many millions of dollars these guys have got. And, and I'm thinking, yeah, well, it, it takes millions of dollars to run that kind of a thing. And the, the, the generosity and the things they do for the community is incredible. Um, but, but people seem to be able to just not see those things. And so, so some of us get really uncomfortable, but I think we need to move past our uncomfortableness when we talk about money. When you go to the doctor for a checkup, sometimes he or she will push bits of your body. They'll push parts, right? And they'll say, does that hurt? Does that hurt? Does that hurt? How does that feel? Does that hurt? <coughs> How about this? And if, you, if they push and you cry out in pain, ah, one of two things has happened. Uh, either the doctor pushed way too hard, which, you know, is not impossible. Nick, have you ever done that? Pushed way too hard? <laughs> he doesn't know his own strength. He's like the Hulk when he gets into the surgery. So either the doctor's pushed too hard without the right sensitivity, or more likely there's something wrong and the doctor would, would say, well, we'd better do some more tests because it's not supposed to hurt there. Right? It's the same when churches preach on financial responsibility and, and giving. And certain members of the church cry out in discomfort when that topic comes up. You say, ah! Oh! And they start criticizing the message or the messenger. And, and either the pastors push too hard, like the doctor, or perhaps there's something wrong. And in that case, we say, friend, we are, we are in need of the great physician the best doctor this universe has ever seen because it's not supposed to hurt there. Something's wrong. We need to do some tests, figure out what's going on, and fix the issue. Think about how large a part money plays in our lives. We spend a lot of our lives, possibly a quarter of our lives, working jobs to earn money. When we turn on... We, well, we clothe ourselves with money. We feed, not literally, we feed ourselves with money. We don't, many of us are not, far, I'd say most of us are not farmers farming our own food. So we feed ourselves with money. We shelter ourselves with money. And it's all, we do everything we do with money. Even our relationships, obviously, obviously often come down to money because we go out places with people. We spend money on entertainment. We turn on the television, we open a magazine, we drive down the road, see a billboard, we open up our devices and we are bombarded with images, sound and messages all designed to make you believe you need to buy this in your life. You need to spend your money on this. You need to put your money into this area. This will make you happy. This will make you sexy. This will make you popular. <coughs> I get calls like every two weeks, saying, uh, hello, sir, we are just letting you know about some tax benefits 
that are available to the Australian people. We're just wondering if you are a homeowner uh, under the age of 60. Does that apply to you? Yes, it does. Fantastic. It's always the same questions. I feel like I just skip to the bit about income. Skip to the bit about how much money do you make, because I'll say then I'm ineligible. So I feel like just saying that up front, and we always get to the bit now, would you make over this amount? In it? No. Okay, sorry, sir. These are not available to you. Well, why don't you start with that one? <laughs> and I feel like it's a constant reminder of, like, they're literally calling you at home saying, do you earn a lot? And, and then I just have to keep telling people, no, I don't. <laughs> it's a constant reminder. Money plays a huge part in our lives. If Jesus didn't have something to say about money, he would be remaining silent and unhelpful on one of the biggest, most important areas of our lives. We don't get uncomfortable because it shouldn't be talked about or because it's none of Jesus' business. We get uncomfortable because we've been conditioned to think differently about money to how Jesus thinks about money. And these kinds of conversations can be challenging to us. We get uncomfortable because perhaps money is closer to our hearts than we would like to admit. I am believing that over this series and through the course of Rise and Build, we are going to raise up a church of, of, of cheerful givers. People who give into offerings, not out of compulsion, but out of cheerfulness. Believing that God is able, knowing that he will come through for us, planting seeds of faith. I'm believing that we're going to have a church of people who are free from worry, who are set free from worry about uh, the things of this world, about clothes and food and what are we going to do, how are we going to get money for that, and how are we going to get money for this. I'm believing we're going to see a church of people who rise up, who prioritize uh, God in their lives, who go to him with their needs and not to their bank account straight away. Not giving out of compulsion, I'm believing that people are going to have blessing poured out over their life. Is anyone excited about this? Good. Anyone okay to talk about money? Great. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, we thank you you're in this place. God, we thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for us, and that plan and a purpose includes our finances. We thank you you haven't left a big hole in our lives in terms of what, where you're leading us and where you're guiding us. And so, Father, we pray that you'd open our hearts this morning to hear from you, to hear from your word, and to hear what your plans are so that we can follow you and live our best life. In Jesus' name, amen. So my message is called Trust in Him. i got three reasons to realign your trust. Does anyone like three-point messages? Great. Okay, well, I'll keep doing them for the front row then. <coughs> we all put our trust in something. Uh, the question is, whatever we put our trust in, will that deliver? So we're going to quickly go through these reasons, and then Kirsty and I are going to share our story with you at the end. The first reason to realign your trust is that money is untrustworthy. Money is not worthy of your trust. We're going to check out this scripture in Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 21 as the first section. It's a long section. I'm going to break it up into three because I've got three points. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother, to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide things, such things as that? Then he said, Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Is that true or is that true? Then he told them a story. 
A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. That's like saying the bank called you up and said, I'm sorry, you've got too much money in your bank account. We can't keep it all. <clears throat> then he said, I know. I'll, tell, I, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That sounds all right, doesn't it? But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything that you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. He's tapping into the true meaning of life. He's basically saying, look, if you put all your trust into money, it's not trustworthy. If you rest all of your security in the amount of things that you've got stored up in your barns, what are you going to do when death comes knocking on your door? What good is that to you? <coughs> I found a Wikipedia article yesterday about a rich American businesswoman, and she, uh, she, had, had, she made billions of dollars. She's a hotel she was a hotel owner, and in her will, she left $12 million to her dog. And uh, she, she left it so that, and I'm thinking, there's people starving to death in the world, and you've left $12 million to your dog so that he can be, like, bathed and stuff, and, then, and to make sure that the dog is buried next to her when the dog dies. And uh, <laughs> it turns out, anyway, so she dies, and, and then the court goes through the will, and they're like, yeah, no, nah, you can't leave $12 million to a dog. And so they gave $2 million to the dog. And they gave $10 million to... So she had four grandkids. Two of the grandkids she left things to. And the other two, she's like, no, nah, I don't want you to get anything. Turns out she didn't want them to get something because they refused to name any of their children after her late husband. So she cut them out of the will. She, she was labelled the Queen of Mean. And uh, <clears throat> so she cuts them out of the will. Then they go to court to get part of the 10 million that was meant to be left to the dog. They get rewarded some of the 10 million <clears throat> to the dog. And then, and then the state says, oh, also you can't bury animals uh, next to people. So the dog doesn't get buried there. He doesn't get the full 12 million. And it's a dog for crying out loud. And I'm thinking, all that money, and she still didn't get what she wanted. What would she, well, she wanted something bizarre to begin with, but she didn't get it. She wasn't around to execute her wishes. All that money and what good did it do her? She didn't even get to be buried next to her dog. So <clears throat> this scripture, the person in the crowd who comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. He's coming to Jesus to resolve his own financial agenda. He wants Jesus to resolve his financial agenda. Has anybody else done that before? You've gone to Jesus so that he can resolve your financial agenda. Jesus, this is what I want you to do for me. When it comes to money, do you expect Jesus to bless you in the ways that you want? Or are you trying to use what you have to do what he wants? I'm just going to get rid of that. Jesus' response says, Who made me a judge over you? So that shows us that he has given us the ability to choose. We have free will. 
So this, this person has no power to divide his father's estate. His, bro- his or her brother has got it. And Jesus refuses to get involved because he's missed the point. He says to him, instead of worrying about your father's estate, guard against every kind of greed. He's, he's missing the bigger picture. So he's saying, you might not have power to change the financial circumstance, but Jesus says, this is the attitude you need to have. Guard against every kind of greed. So what's he saying? He's saying, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. Guard against every kind of greed. He says, life is not measured by how much you own. Some of us measure our lives by how much we own. The trouble is, when you measure things like that, the only real measures are these. How much have you got compared to what you want? And how much have you got compared to somebody else? I don't know how else you can measure your life based on how much you own. It's just those two things. How much have I got compared to what I want? The answer to that will probably be not enough because I'll always think of something else that I want. And the other version is, how much have I got compared to that person? And if you live like that, then you're going to be filled with every kind of greed. Because I don't know if you're aware, but many of us in this room would already fall into the top 1% of wealth in the world. And yet, we live in this society which we would feel like, oh gosh, but I don't have as much as that person. So I need more. Well, you've already got more than most. And so we have to stop comparing our own lives and measuring our own lives based on what we have and what we own and start using a different measuring stick. Comparison is the enemy of contentment. He says, my friend, you have enough stored away for years. This is what he was thinking. My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Money promises satisfaction, contentment, purpose, and significance. But it cannot deliver on any of those promises. Because if you die tonight, money will not deliver any of those things. In the end, what will the money do for you? Nothing. Number two, so that's the first thing, money is not trustworthy. The second thing, God is trustworthy. We carry on. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. Do you ever look at ravens? Maybe seagulls more often, or like pigeons. There's a pigeon uh, out in the road out there. was hit by a car. Poor thing. I said to Kirsty, at least it wasn't a toucan. There's lots of pigeons, not so many toucans. And actually, I'd be surprised if it was a toucan in Adelaide. Adelaide. No. Uh, look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you're far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? 
Look at the lilies and how they grow. Consider the lilies. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Can you think of the person in your life who dresses the best? Who's the person who, dress, who dresses to impress? Are you someone who dresses to impress? It's Georgia over in the front row. Vicky. So just think about how well-dressed they are, right? But think about a lily. It just is awesome. It's not trying really hard. It's not dressing itself up. It doesn't get up in the morning and put makeup on, does it? It just is beautiful. So look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things will dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Here's what I get from that scripture. Time spent worrying is time wasted. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, time spent worrying is time wasted. Here's the second thing I get from that. God cares about us so much that he will take care of all of our needs. What's our job in that equation? Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. So what's your thought process when you're low on money? How worried do you get? How much time do you spend worrying about money? How much time do you spend worrying about whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear? Now, obviously, that's easy to dismiss and say, well, I don't, I don't, I'm, not concerned, I'm not worried about the fact that I'm not going to be able to eat anything because uh, we have Centrelink and things like that if you're low on... And I'm not so worried that I'm just going to be naked and freeze to death. Uh, but there is a second level to that, isn't there? We do worry a lot about the food that we're going to eat. Oh, I don't, oh, not spaghetti bolognese again. Ah, oh, tuna patties. Kirsty loves cooking tuna patties, especially when we're on a budget. So that's a double whammy. We're worrying about money and food. And then, and then you're thinking, ah, oh, what am I going to wear today? Oh, I, don't, I don't have any clothes. I've just got nothing to wear. Has anybody said that? I've got nothing to wear. And you're standing in front of a wardrobe full of clothes. How ironic. There are people in this world who literally have nothing to wear. How much time do we spend worrying about things that don't need to be worried about? When we put our trust in God, when we put Him first, He proves Himself trustworthy. He'll give us everything that we need. So what does it look like for you in your life to seek first the kingdom of God? I would say that seeking first the kingdom means that our relationship with God comes first in every area of our lives. Lives? Lives. So our tithes come first, our giving comes first. It's not an afterthought. It's not like, what have I got left over at the end of the week? Ah, a chewing gum wrapper and a $2 coin. It's like, Seek first the kingdom, not last the kingdom. So, so when we're talking about money and when we're thinking about money, that's the first thing we do. 
And we're believing that because that happens first, everything else will follow after that. Imagine that you're going on a treasure hunt and somebody gives you a, a map and it says X marks the spot and you'll find a great bit of treasure here. But, but you're, it's in a dark forest, so you're not going to be able to see anything. There's treasure all over the forest, but you won't be able to see anything because it's dark. So seek first this golden orb, which will light the way. Right? So you, and on the map is like, here's the golden orb, and then you can go and find all the other stuff. If you do it in the wrong order, you won't find anything. It's too dark. You won't find the treasure. But if you seek first the golden orb, the golden orb will light the way, and you'll be able to find the rest of the treasure. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else will be added to you. So, so that means that when we seek first the kingdom, when you come to God with every one of your needs, when you come to, to, come to God trusting Him for everything that you need, He will light the way, He will bring light into your life and show you the way to have all of your other needs met. But you have to first come to God. Sometimes we seek God second. Seek God third or seek God when everything else didn't work. <laughs> seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. My third reason to realign your trust is that giving is an act of trust. It's one thing to say, I trust you, God. It's another thing to act in accordance with what you say. Because it's very difficult to say to my wife, I love you, and then never act in a way that shows that I love her. In the same way, if we say, God, I trust you, then presumably when we have opportunities to trust him, then we need to act in accordance with that trust. So the the verse continues. Jesus says, so don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also, will also be. The natural action when you put your trust in God is to sacrifice and to give. He says, sell your possessions and Give to those in need. So sacrifice and giving. Now, if you talk to our pastors and you said, I was really convicted by that message on Sunday, so I'm going to sell everything that I've got and give it all to Rise and Build. I'm pretty confident they would tell you, please don't do that. Am I right? Right. Good. <laughs> they nodded for your own comfort. But there is an element of sacrifice that's required here. Because... You're, you're giving up something that you have and giving to those in need. And the promise is that you'll receive treasure in heaven where it counts. Because uh, like the woman with the dog, uh, you, when you leave your treasure behind, it doesn't do much good to you. But treasure in heaven is eternal. And so it is of more value. <coughs> it also says wherever you choose to put your treasure your heart will follow. And so that means you actually have the ability to change where your heart is by what you do with your treasure. So if you want your 
heart to be invested in things eternal, you need to invest your treasure in things eternal. If you want your heart to be in things of this world, well then go ahead and invest your treasure in the things of this world. As we give into Rise and Build, we are giving as an act of trust. We're saying, God, I trust you with my finances. We're declaring that He is, that our hearts are open in every area of our life, including our finances. Because it's very different to say, God, I trust you and I believe you're working in every area of my life, except that I'm going to exclude that for you. Because God is like a brilliant accountant. Has anyone got an accountant here? <coughs> is anybody an accountant? Almost. God's like the best accountant in the world. If you, but you can have the best accountant and they can do, reconcile all your books. The way that accountants work, you give them your receipts and they log the receipts and they do all the books, right? It doesn't matter how good your accountant is. If you don't give them all of your receipts, they can't reconcile the receipts that you don't give them. And so Jesus is like that. He can only, he can only fill with life the areas of your life that you choose to hand over to Him. He can only reconcile the receipts that you give Him. And so if you want Him to be involved in your financial world, then you need to open up your financial world to trust in Him. And giving is an act of trust. Kirsty, can you just come up? Have you got a microphone? <coughs> we just wanted to share a little bit of our story uh, in giving to Rise and Build. And it actually starts like in 2011, which is a year after we were married. Yeah. Um, and we don't want to mention like numbers and stuff because don't let your left hand know what your right hand is giving. But we wanted to encourage you because we're really excited about what's happened for us. So <coughs> we sat down in 2011 with each other and we decided as a couple, we we're like, okay, so how much are we going to give into the Rise and Build campaign? And uh, I remember having a conversation and we were looking at the amount that we'd given the previous year and we thought, oh, we should probably, we should probably increase it a bit because, like, you know, you kind of learn to walk in faith, right? You stretch yourself. Um, <clears throat> and then we had a subsequent conversation which got us really excited about the faith step that we were taking. So we chose to, like, write some notes down about how we were feeling at the time. And that was in 2011. So we made a little journal entry. And so we just want to read you little bits of our journal entries uh, from, is that five years ago now? Yeah, so <coughs> uh, just to give you an idea. And hey, I would this has been so fun for us to look back on yeah. over many years. I would encourage you, as you're deciding what to give into Rise and Build, why don't you just jot down some notes about how you feel at the moment and what you're, maybe what you're believing and trusting God for. Um, or, or what kind of experience you're having in stepping out in faith. Cause yeah, and then things that happen along the yeah. way. Because, yeah. So uh, we had given a certain amount uh, the previous year, and when we look back on that, we're like, stingy buggers. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you only giving that much? That's crazy. But, you know, you, t- you walk in faith, right? And you take a, take a step by step, and you grow. So... And then we were like, oh, we should go crazy. We should double it. Yeah. And then, so we doubled it. And then, we, this, is, this is just in the conversation, not in the pledge. Um, and then we were like, oh, but it's not a round number. We should, 
we should just round it up from the doubled number. Yeah. And then we were like, oh, that's, that's very faithful, isn't it? Um, and then the journal entry says, then I suggested to round it up because it feels better than the lower number. It says, Kirsty commented, it's hard to know whether you're giving enough or not. And that's not to say like enough for somebody else's opinion. It's because we felt like we wanted to stretch ourselves in faith, give sacrificially, and, and be, be entering a place of trust, right? And so she's saying, it's hard to know whether you're giving enough or not because the amount that you've committed is non-negotiable. So for us, in our minds. In our minds. Yeah. So you give it at the beginning of the fortnight and you don't ever think, gosh, I wish I had that money now because it's just gone, right? So, you, so in our minds, it's like, that is given, seek first the kingdom. Oh, brilliant, we've been doing that for ages. It's the first uh, thing on our budget sheet. Right. It's the first thing that's transferred. First thing that goes out. And so we're never missing that money. Yeah. And so it's hard for us to feel like, is that enough? Like, are we really sacrificing? Because you can kind of just do anything and then feel like, oh, we've got no money, but that's yeah, already gone. And so you don't feel like, yeah. right. Um, and so then we said, oh, so maybe we should just double it again, double the new figure. Um, cause that, and then we both sort of looked at each other and like, with like trepidation and fear. And we're like, okay, now that we're feeling a bit stretched, stretched we can feel like that's a faith, like that's a faith yeah. moment. We're giving sacrificially. And I don't know about you, but when I come to a point like that, I start to get two feelings. One is like, I'm a bit scared. And the second is, I'm actually really excited. And I think that's what the Bible talks about when it talks about being a cheerful giver. Because I'm excited about being in a position of faith. I'm excited about what God's going to do with my seed. I know that if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. And so I I, I that's, why, that's part of the reason we wrote this stuff down. Because we were like, ah, oh, I'm really excited. I think God's going to move. I think you're more excited than I <laughs> Kirsty commented, let me just read some of this. Kirsty commented that when we haven't had enough money in the past, it often feels like we just get by, by shuffling money around or taking money out of savings. I think that was to say, like, it's not like God's just doing miracles, yeah. like there's amazing miracles all the time. Um, and then my question was, how often do we go to God in lack first before we go to our savings? And then our answer to that was... Not often. Not often. So I'm preaching to myself. And then it says, as we're writing this... Kirsty regrets saying that because she often she can often think of times when God has moved and got us through. So we did a bit of a backflip on that one. And then I wrote, our experience says to us that by stretching ourselves, we're making it harder for ourselves. But the truth that we're choosing to believe, regardless of our experience, is Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do you want to? Yeah, so going on from that, I'll... Um, a little while after that so we were renting um, a place after we got married and we were there for about a year or so and um, Brendan's parents were going to Germany for six months and said to us um, would you like to come and house sit for six months so um, that we would leave the place that we were renting be there for six months and then after that find somewhere new to rent we were in Highbury so it was a little bit further away than the eastern suburbs where we've both grown up so we wanted to move somewhere closer so we started looking around we were like bonza right that was great house sitting yeah. for six months yeah yeah so we were six like, months that's... of no rent and house and we were going to save save that money for whatever 
Yeah, Can I, I just ended up interject saving money here? Going to Germany as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let me just interject, and uh, so we were ex- we were really excited about that blessing. Yeah. So I wrote down in our journal, uh, we've been blessed. No, to no, s- that's after. No, no. Oh, sorry. We've okay, been yeah, blessed to right. uh, to stay at my parents' house for six months rent free. We'll save a total of seven thousand two hundred dollars on rent. And so I was like, I was, I was like, that's so awesome! What a blessing. But then I was comparing that to like what we'd pledged in Rise and Build. And I wrote, what happened to tenfold, God? <laughs> Cheeky. Cheeky. I was only joking. We were excited about the blessing. Yeah, so then we were looking around um, at houses to rent in this area. For, for, for when we finished just, the six it months. Was, it was before we'd started that six months um, house sitting. But just to get an idea of what was out there, because we knew it was going to be a bit more expensive area. Um, and basically we found nothing good in our price range. <laughs> Um, and so then we, we were went to a bit down about that. Oh, I think we'd just been to a place that we was small and it was horrible. And we went to mum and dad's place after, and we were talking to them about it. And um, and dad had said, "Well, we were talking." About we were like, "Oh, <laughs> we were, we were like, it's just we want to live somewhere nice, you know." Yeah. And so we're looking for a new rental that we'll need. So it seems like a blessing. having the six months but now we're going to have to move out and we're not sure if that's going to work Mm. because none of the stuff that we can then afford is any good but we were remembering that god had come through for us in the past um the the place that we were renting before that we actually had a really good deal there and i think your journal says brendan brendan keeps telling me telling me (laughs) that god came through last time yeah and and when we were saying that is that that prideful i don't know a bit of a self self plug (laughs) Um, Didn't want you to miss out on that part. Because that's why, that's good to talk to your husband or to your wife about these things. Sometimes you can encourage each other. And if they're a real nego, just don't (laughs) talk to them about it. (laughs) Go on. Um, And then Dad said to us, you know, because we were believing that God will come through somehow, and he said it might not be in the way that you think. You know, you're looking to be able to afford to rent somewhere, but ideally you guys want to own a home. Like that, That was our goal at some point, but... Saving for that wasn't really a possibility at that point. He said, maybe something will come about that you'll be able to save money to be able to buy a house sooner than it's looking like you would now. Yeah. That night, we went to Brendan's parents' house for dinner and who had already offered us the six months to, to um, house it. And they, we were telling them about looking for places. And they said, well, we've got this we've got an old garage out the back that used to be a bedroom for Brendan's older brother. Why don't we do that up? We'll put a kitchen in there and a bathroom. And you guys can live here. And whatever you would pay in rent, you can pay to us. Uh, and then when you're ready to buy a house, we'll give you that back and that will be your house deposit. So... We were like, <laughs> awesome. That sounds is, really good. And this family who are, who are not... And it was just earlier that day, wasn't it? That it was, Pastor yeah. Chris and Vicky had said, hey, maybe God wants to move in a different way to what you're expecting. And we're yeah. like, what might that be? Yeah. Maybe, maybe setting you up to buy a house. And that night we go there and they're like, how about we set you up to buy a house? <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah. Thank you. So then we're looking for houses. Yeah, so, so we did we, stay we there. We stayed there for... Um, like a couple of years? Yeah, a few years. A few years. And we just saved and saved. They didn't have, end up actually, they said to us, we don't actually need you to give us the, the rent money to, for us to give back. They said, you can just put that in an account and save it. They trusted us to be wise with that and we did. So yeah. we, we've been, we were saving up what we could. So then, yeah. then, then it came to the stage of looking for houses and uh, we started looking for houses and again we were like really discouraged. 
because we figured out kind of how much money we could borrow and we started looking at houses all around the place, the really old run-down places, and we came up with a song when we were looking for houses. It's right when the Lego movie came out. You know that song in the Lego movie, Everything is Awesome, Everything is Awesome, something, something, whatever. Uh, well, our song went like this. Everything is awful. <laughs> Everything, is Everything is awful in, in our, our price range. range. And we would sing that as we were walking out of every house. Like, Everything is awful. <laughs> I mean, these were real dumps. There was one that we found, uh, which we were like, that's nice, but it was too much. It turned out to be the same value, which was too much, as the house that we now currently own. Because the house that we found was we bought off the plan which meant that we could keep living where we were, which is like the perfect way to build for us and keep saving towards because you don't have to pay the mortgage until you actually move in. Um, <coughs> it came with a an affordable homes scheme thing, which like is just crazy. You get like forty thousand we got forty thousand dollars off the price. So it's listed at that price and then they just only charge you forty thousand dollars less than that. Yeah. And there was other Jordan inquired about another apartment in the same complex, like a little, like, shortly after, and they were like, oh, now the affordable homes is like, it means you own, you only need $10,000 for a deposit? And I was like, that's a terrible deal. <laughs> Why would you want to have less? To, oh, it didn't make it, but we got this awesome, we got $40,000 off, then we got a stamp duty concession of about $10,000. We got the new home buyer's grant because the new homeowners had just disappeared. So we got the new home buyers for 15000 because so it was new. Is, yeah, new, home, new build, yep. yeah. Um, we'd been able to save, like, over thirty thousand dollars from living where we were, and we added it up. It's like it's a, it's about a hundred thousand dollars worth of value that we got into our house first up, and we were like, "There's the tenfold." Thank you, God. <laughs> but I remember meeting with our mortgage broker and our um, uh, the person who does the contracts, conveyancer, and they both just said. I don't know how you guys got this. This is incredible that you're of, at your age on your incomes and you, you just have, like, this is... And it's got all the deals. <laughs> yeah. And one of the big faith things for us was we want to have at least 20% equity so we don't have to pay mortgage lenders insurance. And they were just, and so we made that target and then they were just astonished that that happened. So it's good. And then uh, the other day, one of the other apartments in our building has just gone up for sale and they're advertising it for $25,000 more than what we bought ours at. So apparently the value's gone up. <laughs> you, can, you can sit down. <laughs> Thank you. It's good, isn't it? God is good. And I think for us, I kind of feel like, ah, I wonder what would have happened if we'd pledged more to rise and build at the beginning. <laughs> do you ever do that? Feel like, ah, oh, maybe if I'd sown more seed wonder what the harvest would have been like. God calls us to give. Giving is an act of trust. When you are planting seeds in the kingdom of God, you can have trust that God will meet all of your needs. That seeking first the kingdom of God and all those other things will be added to you. <coughs> Why don't you stand? I'm going to ask Jordan to come. Over this next week, I would encourage you to talk to your spouse if you haven't already. Or if you're single, then uh, just talk to yourself and to God. Uh, maybe you want to seek counsel. There's people around who can uh, help you with that decision. Uh, and none of those people, I'm sure, would be pressuring you to give more than what you're comfortable giving.
Um, but what we do encourage is that people make a sacrifice and that people are stretching themselves in faith because that's where this life of faith gets exciting, isn't it? It's really fun. Um, and uh, you can, there's, so there's forms up the back, rise and build forms if you're uh, thinking about pledging. There's a whole bunch of information in there about what the rise and build program is. But I just want to spend a little bit of time right now where we just spend some time with God and open our hearts to Him. And we just ask Him, God, is there anything that you want me to do? Is there, is there anything that you want me to trust you more in? So why don't you right now close your eyes and open your heart up to God. So it's just you and Him here in this place. Why don't you start to ask Him, where do you want to take me, God? What would you have me do?